0: it very, very dangerous. If you spidey sense, you know, I was like, oh, something's off. I'm just like, man, I'm waiting to hear something, you know. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the 17th episode of the War Cry Podcast. I am your host, Yehola Tiger. And um, I posted a, a, a quote-unquote lost live stream. Uh, it was myself and Russell Sun Eagle from Okie Podcast, and also fellow co-hosts of the Unsolved Mysteries at the Reservation. And, you know, we, we kind of chopped it up. Um, that's the latest, kind of the little bit of content I'm giving you guys, and, you know, make, you know kind of throwing it out there, because we didn't have an episode last week, and, um, and so we're gonna, you know, obviously we're here this time. Uh, I'm recording this. I guess what is today, Friday night. night, and this will be out. Actually, I think this is gonna be out Saturday morning. Let's let's keep it a buck. So you're gonna hear this um, Saturday morning. But you know, it's it's been kind of, you know, life is, you know, kind of takes you through ebbs and flows of being busy and all that good stuff, and. I just still happen to catch you, season four. If we thought Joe Goldberg was decently sane, it's time to change that. It's time to change that opinion. If you have not seen it, you might want to skip ahead. Dude goes crazy, and the ending of that episode, or the ending of that show, or that the ending of that season, where he plants that knife on Nadia, and basically sends her away, and now he's. A part of this multi-billion-dollar company, uh, together with uh, the Lockwood chick. Oh my god! And he's accepted his dark side. My guy went off, but um, man, yeah, i still kind of shook by that. And so, if you haven't seen, you can now listen. If you if I didn't want to spoil that for you, but you can now listen. Uh, if you haven't seen you season four you know another another documentary I'm trying to get through right now is the Malaysian uh, flight um, I think on Russell's podcast I think I mentioned a kind of a weird thing that happened when we when when that was like when that was first going on I was uh, I was at home I was at my parents house at the time still in college and I had this and I used to have an old podcast called Questionable three um, long time ago this is like I said this a while ago. And I happen to bring this up, and we start talking about it, kind of like what's going on with the the case, and what's you know where what what could have happened, and all of a sudden, like my my power flickers, and like kind of like the Wi Fi goes down, and so we're in the middle of recording this podcast. We all had like kind of uh, I guess some podcasts do it now, and like it's like a Zoom type thing. But anyways. And so I get back on once I get Wi Fi, and I'm like, "Hey guys, I'm sorry, you know, because I was the one leading the bot, like leading the, like I was the host. I'm sorry, guys, you know, this happened." And next, the next day, I went outside, and it was like the size of a very large pizza pan, just a perfect circle, was literally right outside the on my bedroom window, and it's you know probably ten feet away from my bedroom window. It was like a perfect pizza pan type, like it was, like you put like a scalding hot metal pizza pan down and you burn the grass that's what it looked like so i i've been watching that um you know i'm on like i think episode two and they messed that all the way up like they didn't even know where that thing was i still think i still think they kind of portal jumped or like interdimensional but hopefully the next episode i'll have like a better type of review but like the malaysian officials man they they botched that crap up so bad that yeah, was brutal, um, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I still, you know, didn't, you know, just trying to collect some different things that I've been watching. Um, yeah, and I uh, really, I guess this episode um, is going to be about this. But I had scrolled across some things on TikTok, which TikTok is, is the conspiracy rabbit hole, if you want to call, you know, if you want to call it that. And I'm kind of just hanging out and li- watching TikTok, and also I see this. Kurt Cobain, Courtney Love conspiracy, which you know I I have on prev on other you know Twitter and Facebook I've definitely shared my opinion on that about the, Courtney Love actually being the murderer of Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain is you know in Nirvana growing up for me. I was born in ninety four. He was he, he actually killed himself allegedly a couple you know about a month exactly I think exactly a month. I was one month old when he killed himself. And so a lot of my experiences with, you know, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana has been posthumous. Or has, did I say that right? I wonder. Anyways, after death and after the band, you know, ceased. Um, and then growing up, you know, being you know, a fan of Foo Fighters and and uh, the things that they've done. And, you know, as I got older, you know, like I said, as I growing up, my dad's like, what well, we listen to, you know, some of my favorite songs. Uh, I remember being a kid driving down the road, and my dad had this white, and I can't, it was like a Pontiac, I think, but it had the red velvet. We had, he had got it from a a family member of ours, and uh, I think it had like the kind of red type of, like fuzzy material as the, uh, anyways, (laughs) hoopty if you want to call it that. (laughs) And uh, you know he'd be letting the gas run all the way down to E, be past E, we still somehow be going. But <laughs> anyways, but uh, but you know he—that's you know the first ever song that I ever heard growing up was that it's it goes boom boom boom, boom and I'm like okay, and then it's like I, you know as the song goes, and I'm like oh this song is a banger. I'm probably I don't know five, six, seven years old. And I had heard it before, but it had dawned on me like my cognizance like I could finally like I'm aware of what's like the songs are. And it was Nirvana made uh You Know You're Right, which was on like a like a later kind of a second release of that, that album that they released into in the early two thousands and or late nineties, I believe. <clears throat> but so they had so we had that uh that that going and so then as I you know, as I get older you know, every song like Rock Band had uh, Heart shaped Box and uh, Bloom and dang uh, for for us uh, millennials, us and us everybody that was born in the in the nineties. Y'all know what I'm talking about with Rock Band. Shout out! <laughs> but um, you know, so I you know I grew up a really hardcore Nirvana fan. Uh, really loving like watching old interviews. To me, one of the greatest Unplugged. Uh, ever is Nirvana's, you know, I would say "Alpha Change is probably two, but man, they hate the editing on that, and Lane was just so high on drugs and whatnot, so it's like hard to give it, give it up to them, but Nirvana is number one, and I, you know, it comes full circle for me, um, is, you know, I'm sitting here kind of doing research on, and watching, you know, old clips, and YouTube videos of the, you know, the unplugged, and I'm sitting there, my daughter's sitting there watching, like I did, when my dad watched. You know, he had a whole, I think he had the DVD of the Unplugged, like the, the you know, the DVD or, V. I can't remember what it was, but we had it. And, and I remember sitting there watching as a little little guy, you know, watching, you know, kind of just looking at my dad and looking, you know, watching, you know, Nirvana on the Unplugged, you know. And, and so I looked over, and my daughter's just watching, you know, watching, and I think it was uh, uh, about a girl was playing. And I just was like, man, that's crazy. You know, it just comes full circle in life where, you know, the things that I loved growing up and that hopefully, you know, maybe she loves in her life. And so it was just a cool moment, but getting back to kind of what we're going to talk about today. So today we're going to talk about Kurt Cobain and his alleged suicide. Um, This may be a longer episode. We may see that I'm going to break down some timelines um, for you true crime people. I know you guys like timelines, so I'll, I'll break it down into the timeline and, so, you know, we, as we know, in early April, I think it was April 8th or April 7th, um, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, um, you know, self-inflicted gunshot wound, wound in the, uh, in, above his garage and I guess his greenhouse room, um, you know, they found the shell casings, you know, there was a wallet there, um, the door was locked, um, and, uh, you know, we know kind of how that affected music, you know, worldwide, um. You, you know, it's crazy people, you know, I, people still remember. I think I even asked my dad, do you remember when Kirk when Kirk Cobain the no, news announced, I think he, you know, he's even said that and I've had other people tell me that as well. When, you know, people are still around and you know, the crazy thing about this whole case is that it could have been stopped. It could have been, it could have been, the history could have changed forever, you know, and that, and that's, what's crazy. And he, you know, he's also a part of that 27 club, which, Eventually, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a whole episode over the 27 Club. If you have never heard of the 27 Club, wait till that wait till I come up with an upcoming episode. Um, it'll probably be you know five or six episodes down the road. I want to give this one some some space, especially since I'm, t- since I'm talking about someone in the 27 Club. Um, but it's a notorious rock star. Um, some of the biggest, most iconic people to you know they all they all belong to this 27 Club, and so. You know, like, so that day goes on and, you know, it kind of changes, changes music history. Cause then after that, you kind of get into the more, grunge turns more to alt rock. Um, so corn, um, disturbed, um, you know, Limp Biscuit rolls in, you know, has, you know, kind of the same kind of stuff, but more kind of angry, angsty, that stuff kind of comes in It just changed history, you know, changed it forever. And it, basically grunge, you know, you know, for what I've seen and, you know, and and just watched because I was obviously wasn't alive, but was that the, you know, grunge took over for metal or took over for metal and then, um, or, you know, thrash rock. And then, you know, all alternative rock, you know, kind of new metal, you know, took over for grunge and it kind of took, took it off. Um, Slipknot's another one of those kind of bands Seether um, uh, saliva, you know some of those types of bands, but this is March thirtieth, uh, which is crazy. We're in March right now, so March thirtieth, Kurt Cobain, you flew to L.A. to get into this rehab program, uh, and uh, it might have been March thirtieth, might have been thirty first. Anyways, in late in, in late March, early early April, he go, goes into this uh, rehab center. And he's, you know, looking to get help for, you know, his addictions. We, it, those are all very, very high public. Um, and according to, you know, different documentaries and articles, um, he actually had the the babysitter come in during this time. Him and Courtney were not doing so well. Um, she actually called the rehab center that he was at. She called it twelve times, and Kurt basically told the facility he did not want to talk to her. So then, April second, he leaves and he, he like escapes. Be in mind during the time his stay his one, it was like a one day stay, like it wasn't anything crazy. Like he was there for like one or two days. He is, uh he is visited by Francis Bean, his daughter, and uh, the nanny, and he you know hangs out with his daughter basically the entire day. And the next morning, he, you know, escapes the rehab facility and buys a ticket to Seattle, uh, where he's from. The next day after that, once he books the, the, the flight, he gets a hotel room um, and, you know, under, under an alias. And then, you know, he leaves and goes back to the house and meets up with his buddy who's been his friend forever. I think his name is Cal or Callie. Um, and then Callie says that he saw Kurt leave at seven twenty the next morning, which would be the third, April 3rd, um, and never seen him again until they found, until they found his body days later. So that's the official story. That's the official timeline of how everything played out, uh, when it came to Kurt Cobain's death, Kurt Cobain's death. So... I was watching a documentary. I watched the the and Courtney and, you know, all that stuff. So I started watching Soaked in Bleach, and this documentary came out in 2015, and I watched it when it first came out, and it got a lot of press. Um, Seattle PD had to reopen the case because of this documentary. Uh, I remember this documentary was on HBO, but then it was also on, like, uh, I think it was on, not Showtime, but it was on HBO, and then it was on something else, I think a streaming service on one of the, you know, very few, I think it was, might've been, might've been Netflix. I can't remember back in 2015. And this documentary goes, is audio, actual audio of Courtney Love and all her associates and, um, some of Kurt's best friends are on this, um, including, you know, the, the best friend, uh, Rosemary, uh, that Kurt really confided in. So the documentary, like I said, 2015, starts April 3rd. So I'm giving you guys, I gave you guys the, the official timeline of when Kurt quote unquote went missing. So at that time, April 3rd, Tom Grant gets a call and I believe he said it was like the, the Friday before Easter or something crazy. It was like some, it was some type of, you know, some type of, you know, thing where like people like he was, in, he was just happened to be in the office it might've been Easter. And I like I said, I no, like I said, my, my math is probably off on this, but anyways, he gets a call April third, and he answers it, and it said, you know, you may know who this is, but my name is Courtney Love, and you know, my husband Kurt Cobain is missing, and you know, Tom Grant goes into, you know, he starts asking the basic questions, well, when was the last time you seen him, this is and this, and Courtney says, well, you know, his credit card or his, you know, debit card, or whatever, their banking information said that he booked a flight from L.A. to Seattle. And that he was in rehab. Well, when she told Tom Grant this at the at the time that this was April third, ninety four, she told him, "I called up the hospital one time. Kurt said he was fine, and that he was you know going to be there." Well, as you guys were mentioned, as I mentioned before, she had called that hospital multiple times under different aliases, acting you know trying to pose as uh, you know Kurt's manager. All this stuff. So she's lying there, like, you know, there's some fabrication already, you know, with Tom Grant, as she calls him. So then Tom Grant agrees to take the case. And so he agrees to meet Courtney later that day with, with associate of his. And he ends up, you know, going through and she's at some, you know, place up, you know, in Hollywood. And she's kind of like, really like, she's high on drugs. He, you know, he he can tell she was high on drugs and she was in this kind of like lace type of uh getup where it was basically see-through. And he said basically she was wearing nothing and she was talking to him and basically just kind of going through you know everything and you know essentially saying he's suicidal, he just bought a shotgun. Um, I think he may kill himself. You know basically telling everything, you know, you know everything to Tom Graham. Well then she's like, "Hey, I need to leave because my drug dealers here well, come to find out the, the facility she's at was, or the, the hotel was a halfway house and she was in there with all her drug dealers, all her drug friends, everybody was in there and she was in there wilding out. So it wasn't really a, a really sound halfway house. So he then, he then decides in that moment when he's leaving that he needs to record every aspect of the conversations they have and record every single phone call. So, in this documentary, it does do some recreation because it sh- it's trying to paint. Obviously, it's a video. You can't just, like, play audio clips like the entire documentary. So they do these recreations, and they basically act out what exactly came, what, what was the audio. So he, he takes the case, and, and he's really trying to, you know, find out. Um, and along the way, he finds out that essentially Kurt is leaving. He's trying to leave Courtney and, in Rome two days before they had a Rome show, he OD'd, and this is this is public, you can go look this up. He OD'd in Rome uh, two days before a show, I believe. And, you know, Courtney went out to the press and said, hey, you know, he's, you know, telling Tom Grant that basically he's OD'd. He OD'd there because of, you know, this, this, and this. And he had stomach issues and he was trying to do drugs because of the stomach issues. And... Tom Grant's like, okay, you know, obviously this is this, you know, he's just taking all this information and all this is being recorded. And she ends up, uh, so she ends up, you know, basically slipping the beans that they, that Kurt was going to leave her and that they were going to divorce. Well, then he ODs. And so he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't, you know, when he got back to the States can do it. Cause then he was in a hospital for a week and basically trying to recover from this, this accidental OD. So then fast forward, you know, not a couple months later, you know, he goes, This you know, he goes missing. And so Courtney Love is really, to me, throughout this entire, all the documentaries that I've seen and, you know, the recordings I heard, it just comes like she's trying, she's, there's more information than she's letting on. And so when they're trying to look for Kurt, um, a couple, like, I think it was like two days, three days, maybe even four days before they, you know, found his body. You know, he, like, his self-inflicted gunshot wound. um You know, she's telling, you know, hey, go check here. And he keeps telling her like Tom Grant in the audio clips, he keeps saying, Hey, I think we should search Seattle because he went there. That's the last known location. We need to check Seattle. And she's like, no, I have people at the house. And he, and he asked her point blank, like, Hey, do you, are you afraid that I'm going to find something at your house? And she goes, no, it's just, we don't need to look there. We need to stay here in LA because um, I think he's in LA or he would be here at his drug dealer's house. well, Tom Grant, Tom Grant, you know, is searching and scouring all over the place looking for, for Kurt Cobain at this time. And Courtney finally goes, finally one day, like three days before they found him, was like, hey, let's go ahead and go to Seattle and search the house. Well, they found the stuff that Kurt OD'd on under the bed. And there was no lights on in the house. And it was alleged, you know, Tom Grant states that it was a, a very rainy and dark and windy day. Um, and they had one light on in the entire on the entire property, and it was over the you know over the garage, like the door opens for the garage. And so Tom Grant, um, you know, searches the house, and you know they didn't find the shotgun, they didn't find anything. And this is two days before they found his body. So he thought that was you know he was like well he said well you know that's kind of weird, but he right before he right before they leave they said hey he asked Callie who was Kurt's friend who you know, it was staying at the house and who has said said that he seen Kurt last said, no, there's no other places to check on this property. So they search it. That's, that's two days before. Then the day before he does one more round and, and Kurt uh, Courtney goes, Hey, there's a, there should be a note or something of the sorts. Um, no, I'm sorry. I got that backwards. The day they found his body, uh, the night before Tom Grant was searching the house again and, And he was in Seattle looking at hotel rooms, um, basically scouring every place that Kurt knows. I think even going back to his hometown, like really, you know, scouring the Seattle area. And Courtney was told him, uh, you know, basically kind of, you know, misled him and said, oh, he's staying at, he likes to stay at all the most fanciest of hotels because of the room service. Well, he searched all the hotels. And this is, like I said, this is the day before they found Kurt. And he, they end up, uh, searching all the hotel fancy hotels and then so he just him and his team decided well let's search the the rickety ones and kurt uh had an alias that he used at all like basically all these you know kind of run down hotel motel rooms and they found the alias well come and then he asked his buddy uh, when he got back to the house then this the night before they found kurt cobain's body and asked him, hey, you know, I found that he was at this hotel room, you know, ten miles from this house. And he goes, and his and Kurt Cobain's buddy Callie goes, you know, yeah, we we weren't we, we've been known to do that. We've always been known to stay at like kind of terrible hotels. And that you know, we don't like to stay where a lot of the the press will see us. Because he hates the press. Kurt Cobain hates the press. And so this this manhunt with all these, you know, that like all these investigators, you know, kind of that are contracted in this area are trying to find Kirk Cobain. And so when they get back to the house, he says that. And so when he goes back, um, he gets on the phone, basically he notices something strange that every time Tom talks to Cal, Courtney always somehow calls like right before they talk. Like he was on the phone with, with Courtney, basically all the entire time. And he thought that was strange. Like, why is Courtney calling him, you know, that, that much? So then they're, you know, they're, they're out searching the the, the morning of the, when they find Kurt Cobain's body. Uh, somebody, and that's one thing, too, I, I wish they would have talked about, is who called the security company to go out to that to Kurt Cobain's residence? That's something that I always, you know, question, if, if I ever had a chance to ask, that would be the, the question I ask. Well, who sent him out there? Who ordered that to, to go to that specific green, 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 geez, if I can say it, green room place, uh, atop the garage, you know, who, who was the one? So anyway, so, so then that's when they find the body and then that's, you know, how that shakes out. So after, you know, after, after some time spending with, you know, Kurt Cobain's friends and Courtney, Tom Grant is, is definitely something's off. So after they find the body, Tom Grant goes up to the head, the lead detective on the case, and you know the patrolman says, "Hey, I have I have evidence and information to give you," and he goes, "Okay, let me talk to the head detective." Well, the head detective said, "No, we at this time we have already ruled this a suicide. Uh, we're we're good. We don't need any information," and which is kind of odd to Tom Grant because he's a former he's a former detective and he's a former patrolman. So that strikes him as odd, like that's not something you just go out and say. Well, then the Seattle Police Department puts out, hey, this has been a suicide, and if you guys remember, Courtney Love read the note on, I think it was on MTV, out loud to everyone. And and it was it was just very odd. And the note, if you've ever seen the note, it has, like, it looks, you know, like a normal note, but then at the bottom it has kind of scribbled language, you know, Um, and that was another odd thing that, that I thought about the entire thing was the note basically read in Kurt's handwriting, but then the last paragraph had like one letter that was Kurt's, Kurt's, uh, handwriting. Another one wasn't like, it was weird. It was like, it was just kind of a strange note where sometimes it didn't match up to his handwriting. And so she reads it out to the public and, and, and now it's, you know, everyone and their mama thinks it's a suicide. And now that's, it's went down in history as a suicide. And so one thing that was, you know, was really interesting about his, the actual, you know, suicide, um, was that the shotgun that he used was facing a certain way and the shell when it's shot kicks out, kicked out the opposite way of what what it was supposed to. Um, and I thought that was very strange, um, and that's one thing that, like, even the lead detector, like, when they looked at the-, the crime scene photos and they looked at the reports after the fact, they said that the shotgun, in the way that it was pointed, was supposed to point out to Kurt's right, but it shot to its left. And the only indicative thing would be that someone pulled, like, someone pulled the trigger and it ricocheted off of them onto Kurt's bag, which then burned a hole in the bag because it was hot, or left... A burn mark in, in the bag. Another another crazy thing that I thine, find very suspicious is that he had three times the normal amount of, of black tar heroin in his system. So he would have had to buy enough heroin to kill three people. So essentially, even, even with his, his kind of tolerance with him using that. So essentially, he would have had to get the vein, put it in, refill it, do it again, refill it, and do it again all within a matter of 15 to 30 seconds and that's impossible because that that heroin hits your hits your bloodstream and it's immediately like it hits you fast so then he would have had to, he would have had to put one in the chamber and then shoot himself all trying to do it coherently cuz it's like three times the normal amount so you're going to be like not right like you're not going to be functioning correctly and so that was another thing I thought was very strange Another strange thing that I thought that the police did is they went ahead and ruled it a suicide after Courtney Love read that that the the note that was not even in Kurt's handwriting for the most part. Then another strange thing is they went ahead and ber- allowed the body to be burned. They released the body to Courtney Love and the family and they cremated his body. Which, you know, it's kind of wild. <laughs> so... There's a lot of theories of, uh, you know, in like, there's a theory like people believe the main official story. And I may be missing some details too, like some more. Oh, another thing too is, is in the report they said that they had to dig in, they had to, the wallet was laying on the ground, but they had to open the wallet and to see who it was. And, uh, that's when they knew it was Kurt. But then also, they had to, di- they also had to, um, you know, they also put in the report that his face was mangled or that his face was unintelligible. But then there's the the paramedic on the scene said that they knew exactly who that was because it it wasn't that way. So there's different kind of differing opinions on the, the day of. Um, another strange thing is that Tom Grant was there the night before. And one thing that they never established is what time did he die? Like, was he he killed three days before? Or not killed, but was he, you know, did he commit that act three days before and then it's been there for three days or two days or whatever? So they never really quite established that. And we don't know. We will never know, you know, if he was there for three days or if Tom Grant was there two days in a row while Kurt sat up there dead. You know, that's crazy to think that. Um, that he was you know he went missing on the second and they didn't find him until like the, I believe like the eighth so or the seventh so it's it's just crazy you know it's you know in, in watching these documentaries and, and hearing you know different people come out over the years like rosemary um which was one of Kurt's friends on a recorded line that Tom set up basically admitted to Courtney doing something to Kurt. Um, and basically doing the timeline of, okay, Kurt was filing for divorce and or basically let Courtney know he was filing divorce in Rome. All of a sudden he falls ill because he was given the wrong medicine. Um, you know, he was supposed to be given his stomach medicine, but it was given this stuff that he, they, that Tom Grant found at the house that he OD'd on because he had champagne with it. And, you know, just kind of some weird things. And then obviously, Kurt was in the processes of filing for a divorce. Like they were, like all he, I think he needed a few more steps, and he would have been done with Courtney Love. And you know, Courtney. One thing too that was really odd is that Tom tried to interview Cal a couple of days after they found Kurt's body, and Cal was heavily sedated on something. And Courtney sat there as Tom was trying to talk to him. And what's the crazy part about it is Courtney, he interviewed Courtney and uh, Cal was there. And so uh, Courtney sent Cal upstairs to hang out. And then Tom Grant got done with his interview with Courtney and Courtney kind of just saying, oh, I'm very sad. You know, just basically playing the widow part. Um, You know, there's a lot of two earlier, like in the early parts, like, you know, when he first met her, she was talking about spinning stories and and dropping things like a uh, suicide attempt or dropping things like, oh, he drug overdosed and, you know, just different things to try to spin the story. And she basically called herself the spin queen after something along those lines, something kind of crazy like that. Maybe not a spin queen, but it was like something kind of like the, what a, she's a guy like, I'm like a, like a, what a spin or something like that. But she was basically, she knew how to spin stories. And, you know, one thing that's kind of, you know, kind of crazy about, them too, like Kurt and Courtney is she was dating the Smashing Pumpkins uh lead singer Billy Corgan and he was in love with her like totally in love with her well Courtney had found out that Kurt and Nirvana were taking off and so that's when she started hanging around and now it came from that came from people that were close to 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 Kurt back in the day said so, yeah she was always hanging around like she always was trying to um you know, they were always trying to, she was always trying to nestle up with him and, you know, they ended up, you know, because of drugs, they ended up bonding together and that's how, you know, and obviously the rest is history having, you know, Francis Bean and all that stuff, marriage. And, you know, a lot of people always kind of said that she was kind of no good and like she was just trying to find the next money pick because at that time, Smashing Pumpkins was kind of taking off but then Nirvana took off even more so she left him and so like, it was just odd. It was just an odd friendship. And then Billy Corgan ended up still being friends with him, which I don't know. It's just an odd kind of thing when you're kind of in, you know, in that, I guess in that time when drugs are involved, I guess anything goes. But, um, but Courtney always had a really tight, tight grip on, on Kurt. And that was one thing that, uh, Rosemary, the, the, uh, not babysitter, but she's someone that, like I said, one of Kurt and Courtney's friends was that she always, you know, Courtney always had a tight grip on Kurt. And so when the divorce was being, you know, kind of being happened, Courtney kind of flipped out and was like, no, you know, this is her cash cow. I mean, we're not even, we're not even talking. I mean, we're not even, we only went into like the, you know, alleged Kurt wrote all of the holes. The the band that Courtney was in was called Holes. And alleged that he wrote all those songs and there's demos out there of the, of those songs that he wrote for her. And that's why her album went, her album went crazy platinum. Cause of Kurt, but that is, that's, you know, what it is, what it is. But so then after, you know, like I said, after, you know, she ends up going upstairs to get Cal and, and, you know, Cal's all sauced out, you know, he's incoherent and Courtney's just like, I don't I guess I don't, maybe it's just, you know, he's on drugs. He's just a drug addict. And so it's just kind of crazy, you know, that whole after the fact and, and just, you know, what happened to him and, 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 you know, that situation. So then, in the documentary, they bring in all these experts. There's multiple people. Uh, one guy did autopsies for uh, JFK, Martin Luther King, like one of the like a really prominent guy. Toxicologists, linguistics. They brought in all these people, and they luckily got the suicide note from Courtney because they uh, because she has it locked in a safe deposit box with like only only she knows the code, and Tom Grant's the only one with a copy of it. That's how we have it. That's how the public has it. We, as the public, have it. And they, you know, they came down with their, with their ruling is that it was all in Kurt's handwriting, except for the last part. And it wasn't, the last part wasn't in his handwriting. Um, that's where, you know, like when I mentioned the, the heroin uh, shots, those were, you know, th- that was, you know, there's no, no human being can survive that. Um, and then some, somebody tried to debunk that in a, in a separate documentary earlier. Uh, and they said that they basically used methadone, you know, oral methadone to reenact his suicide. And, you know, it, it's not the same as it going through the vein. And there's all these, like I said, prominent doctors and, and people who have background in a lot of different stuff came on that and said that there's no possible way that he could have, you know, done that to himself. Um, they even brought in the former chief chief of police who became chief of police literally like a month before this happened. And, you know, he, Seattle police was known for a lot of racism at that time in the 90s. They were known for a lot of biased patrolling. And so uh, so at that time, the the people didn't really trust him. And, you know, for good right, you know, if you're going to get something wrong, even the, the chief of police seen that evidence at the time. He's he's no He's retired. He's no longer... But he, he looked at that and he said, I would have reopened this case because I think this may be a homicide. And so what what is so crazy about this whole thing is that, like, you know, there's nothing much we can do. He's, you know, Kurt Cobain's gone. You know, a legend, an icon. Um, I'm In my opinion, one of the greatest frontmen ever and one of the greatest lead singers ever and, you know, one of the greatest bands ever in Nirvana. He's gone. So there's nothing we can do but... To me, I've always been so fascinated with this conspiracy. I mean, this conspiracy has been... I mean, it's probably since the, the... And I can't remember the name of it. It's not Kurt and Courtney. It's the one before that. Kind of dabbled in it a little bit. And, you know, and, and so it's it's just very strange that, like, we finally get those recordings from Tom Grant, like, in 2015. And we know it's Courtney on the line because she, she you know, does all these intimate... She talks about these intimate details um, and I wish we could like actually get like the long form recording. Cause like, I kind of want to love to hear that, you know, especially in that time frame. then. But one thing I thought was very kind of strange and like Francis being, uh, Cobain has never met obviously never knew her dad who really knew her dad. She was alive obviously when he was alive, but she never got to know him. And I thought it was something really odd when, when, uh, Kurt's mom and sister brought, uh, Francis to this museum that they had for Kurt. You know, in 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 his hometown, I believe, or in Seattle, and she go and she talks to talked about her parents in like she didn't say mom or dad, she said Kurt and Courtney, which I thought I was kind of odd. I was like, man, that's kind of crazy, but but uh, you know that this conspiracy has always been one of my favorites, and it's something that I I will stand on. I think Courtney Love had someone kill Kurt Cobain. I truly believe that. I mean, some people may think I'm crazy for that, but that is a that's a hill I will stand on. I believe Courtney Love did something to Kurt Cobain, um, and we'll never know the truth. Uh, that's one of the questions. Along with <laughs> this is kind of crazy, but it, were dinosaurs real? Like those are some things I'm going to be asking. You know, when I get up to higher power, when my when I'm done with this this earthly plane, and um, and I get up there and I talk to the big man or the you know the big. The big kahuna, the one who runs the thing, and I'm gonna ask him, say who what happened to Kirk Cobain? That's gonna be one of the questions I ask, along with you know, are dinosaurs real? Like when did they die off? Like that's another thing too. We're gonna talk about is dinosaurs. But you know, this is the longer episode, you know. I just had a lot to say about this, and there's the timeline's a little bit long, but you know, what do you what do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a poll on Spotify. So if you hear this and you listen on Spotify, There'll be a poll at the bottom. Um, I'm I'm going to say, do you believe the official the 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 choices will be because I can't say you know someone murdered somebody, but do you believe that? Do you believe the official story or do you believe the conspiracy theory? Those are the two options that I'm going to put out, and I want you guys to 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 do that poll because I'm curious to see what you guys think after what you hear heard me say, after you've heard you know all especially if you're alive then, and some of the stuff that was going on. You know, because like I said, it's crazy, crazy conspiracy, and I believe it. I'm, I'm down for it. Um, but you guys can catch me on TikTok, One Man Band Nine One Eight. Uh, you Hold Tiger on Facebook. Make sure you send me a message before you add me, or when you add me, and then I'll look at it. And I've had so many people, you know, reach out, and which is amazing. I appreciate you very much um, that people, you know, actually listen to the podcast and enjoying enjoying it. Um, you can also uh, catch me on uh, Twitter, One Man Band, One Man Band Nine One Eight. Um, to send me your stories, you can you can, uh, if you want, you know, if you want to share, I can do it anonymously. Um, I can tell your name, you know what tribe you are, whatever you know, whatever you want to tell me. Um, but you can do that on uh, Facebook Messenger. Um, you can do that through email, hold at gmail.com. Um, and you can also do it through the voice message. I'll I'll add that. There's a link that I'll put on there for a voice message. So if you want to send it in your own voice, you can do that too. Um, but like I said, you know I, I appreciate everybody that listens. We hit over 2,000 audio listens. I think we're at 2,100, which is amazing. Like to me, it's like y'all listening to me talk about crazy stuff. I'd be thinking y'all kind of crazy too. Nah, but I appreciate you guys, and I'll catch you on the next one.